And now for our scripture reading. The first one, we got two this morning, and the first one is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And the second passage is from John Chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. We're in our third week in our summer series on the fruit of the Spirit, and this week we're looking at the fruit of peace. And as we go throughout this series, I want us to keep a couple of things in mind as we, as we study this, this passage. First of all, I, I want us to keep in mind that we should all want to grow in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. If you're a Christian, what should be happening, hopefully, each week as we go through each of these fruit is that there should be, you should feel your heart stirring. A part of your heart should be stirring, saying, like, I want to display this characteristic of God in my life. Like two weeks ago, you should, as we go through that day, we should be saying, man, I want to have the love of God. I want to experience the love of God and, and know the love of God and exhibit the love of God to the people around me. Uh, last week, your heart should be stirred and saying, man, I want to have the joy of the Lord. I want to have the, the fruit of the joy of the Holy Spirit exhibited in my soul. I want that. And I want people around me to see that. I want people around me to experience that. And, and this week in peace, like your heart should be stirred as we go through this and say, man, I want to have peace. So our hearts should be stirred to say, I want to experience, I want to grow in bearing this fruit of the Spirit in my life. And by the way, just by the way, we do grow in it. It's not a moment where all of a sudden you have 100% peace or 100% joy or 100% of God's love in your life. It grows in your soul. If you're young or immature as a Christian, you will have less exhibited through your life. And as you grow, you will be experiencing deeper and deeper levels of God's love and God's joy and God's peace that will then be exhibited out of your life. But the, the second thing I want us to remember is that the source of our growth in this, these fruit is supernatural. That what we should never hear this week as we come is that I, you should come and say, hey, I need to go and act like I'm joyful or act like I have peace or act like I'm loving and leaving here and feeling a burden upon your soul. Because here's the truth that the fruit of the Holy Spirit can only be the fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives. It can be only the fruit of the Spirit, the living God living within our lives and flowing out of us. These fruit can't be faked for very long. Each of us have probably tried. We probably tried to fake like we have love, fake like we have joy, fake like we have peace, and it doesn't last for very long, does it? It's like going by, we had this pear tree in our backyard, and I didn't like pears, and that was created a conundrum because we always had, like right around this time of year, June, July, we would always have a ton of pears all over the place, and you had to find some place to, something to do with them, and you're supposed to eat them, and I don't like pears, and no matter how much I like pears, it would never produce an apple. I could take an apple and tape it, duct tape it to the tree, but it would only like get gross and fall off. 
And that's what it's like for us when we try to fake, like we have love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and all down the line. It, it, it is fake and only will last for so long. It's a weak substitute. And it's exhausting to live that kind of life. Not only does it not last for very long, but it's exhausting to act like you are loving and joyful and peaceful all the time because you and I cannot do it. We're not made to do it. It's made to only be exhibited in our lives and enjoyed in our lives as we dwell in the vine. The, the invitation, which is really what it is, the invitation to bear the fruit of the Spirit is an invitation to an abundant life. Not an easy life but an abundant life where we're promised a, a powerful grace to make our burdens light. So with that in mind, let's look at peace. Now there are any number of passages that we could stop in the Bible and look at what peace is, at least as the Bible describes peace. But today we're gonna look at three sentences that Jesus said, and David read for them for us, but let's look at them again. John 14, 27, if you have your Bible, you can turn there or your app, and as I look at you, if you're looking at your phone, I'm just gonna assume you're looking at the Bible on your app instead of playing whatever. It makes me feel better. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, this, these three sentences are from Jesus' final discourse with his disciples. It's this final like, long kind of conversation that he has with them, final teaching that he gives the closest disciples to him before he's heading to the cross to die. And his disciples in this time are anxious and they're fearful. And they're, they're anxious and they're fearful because he's told them that he is going to go away. He's told them repeatedly over and over, I'm going to die. I'm going to be delivered up to the authorities. And he's been telling them in this discourse that I'm going away. And then he tells them in the middle of this, don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, I just pause and just... Is, just, I don't want to think about the, the kindness and the tender care of Jesus for his, the people that belong to him. Here's Jesus. He's looking down the barrel at what the Father has set up for him, and that is a, a sham trial, a painful, torturous death. That's what is ahead of Jesus. As he is focused on this that is ahead of him, he's still looking at his disciples in loving care. And he says, hey, I told you I'm going away, but don't let your hearts be troubled. He's concerned about them because their hearts are troubled, because they're fearful, because they're anxious. Isn't that really amazing that we have that kind of God? That we have the kind of God who's not just worried about doing whatever it takes to be God and run the cosmos, but he's incredibly concerned about you and me in our little anxieties and our little fears. And his disciples are anxious and they're fearful. They're disturbed because, God, because Jesus told them that they're going away. And they're really afraid for the same reasons that you and I deal with fear and anxiety. Which, by the way, I'm going to say this in here in this room. No matter how strong you may act, no matter how manly you think you may have to act, that we all dear, deal with fear and anxiety. And the, the disciples, his disciples, are dealing with fear and anxiety for the same reasons that we deal with them. And first of all is a, a fear of being alone. Each of us have this fear underlying all of our life, a fear of being alone. I'm afraid that I will be alone or I actually am alone. 
That there, there are people around me who say that they love me and say that they like me and I can and, and, and I can be with them and they show some sort of care for me. I really am afraid that ultimately I'm alone in life. I'm afraid that I'm alone, that, that, that nobody is with me, nobody's looking out for me, nobody's protecting me. I'm really left on my own. And that's similar to a, a second fear, of, a fear of being unprotected. That's what these disciples are also dealing with. Jesus is this, this mighty, powerful teacher that's with them. He's, he's turned water into wine. He's, whenever they, the people were hungry, he turned a, a small boy's lunch into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. Whenever they were going down in the storm, he spoke and the wind and the waves obeyed. He walked on the water in the middle of a storm. He is incredibly powerful. Whenever the authorities came to them and said, you need to pay your taxes, he said, go fishing. And there was the coin that they needed in the mouth of the fish. Isn't that crazy? And so over and over again, these three years that they've been walking with Jesus, he's shown them over and over again, he is otherworldly. He is powerful. And they feel, have felt protected by him. And now he's saying, I'm going away, has them feeling fear and anxiety because they're afraid that they're going to be left unprotected. Who's going to watch out for us? And all of us deal with that fear. A fear that either I'm unprotected or the people who do care for me, be, care for me can't actually protect me from what is actually dangerous around me. We deal with a fear of being alone and a, a fear of being unprotected. And really, kind of underlying all of that is really a fear of not mattering. But for many of us who have mixed feelings about Father's Day, that's really part of what we deal with. It's a, feel that, a feeling that, that because of the way that my father dealt with me, I feel like I don't really matter. We deal with that. Every single person has this underlying fear that I wonder if my life really matters. I wonder if I matter to anybody. I wonder if I wasn't here, would life just go on and would anybody actually care? And these disciples are sitting with Jesus and he says, I'm going away. And they're dealing with these, it's stirring these fears of, of not mattering, a, a fear of being unprotected and a fear of being utterly alone. And every single one of us, no matter how wealthy, no matter how powerful, no matter how popular, we all wrestle with these underlying fears. That's one of the works of the, of the evil one is to convince us that nobody else is dealing with the fear and anxiety that I am dealing with. These fears are not mattering. These fears of being unprotected. These fears of being alone. These fears of not being actually what I'm made to be. We all long for peace in our minds, in our relationships, in our surroundings. But there are, are fears and anxieties that constantly disturb those relationships, that constantly disturb those surroundings and constantly disturb our minds. We believe in fear and in peace as a concept. I think every single person believes in peace as a concept. Like I believe that somewhere out there, there's something called peace but none of us ever know, apart from Jesus Christ, lasting peace. We may experience it for a moment, on a vacation, in a quiet moment before the kids wake up, or in, for a, a window of time in a relationship with a friend, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or a husband, or wife, a, a moment in time we experience a peace, and you know what happens usually after that? It disappears and dissipates, and we spend hours and hours trying to chase that feeling, trying to get back to that moment where we thought we felt some peace in our life. But the truth is that we don't really even know what true peace is. We long for it, 
but we don't even really know what it looks like. And the proof that we don't know what it looks like is in our constant restlessness. That is, we are constantly restless. We are constantly trying to find peace. We are constantly stirring. Don't you feel it? Isn't that what drives so much of what you do? This drive and desire for, for peace, for wholeness. We are driven by longings and desires that we can't even name. Like, it's sort of like someone who's lost in a desert. And I've I heard a couple of these stories where somebody who's lost in a desert and, and they don't have water and they, it's been so long and they're thirsting to death and they, they say that they get to a point where they forget even what water tasted like or felt like. Like they can't even remember what it tasted like or felt like, but every single waking moment and even every sleeping moment is consumed by their thirst. And that's what it means to be a human. We are consumed by a thirst for peace that we can't even remember what it looks like. And that's why it makes sense that the most repeated command in the Bible is what? Do not be afraid. Fear not. It's what God says whenever he appears to a human being. It's what his messenger or his angels say whenever they appear to a human being. But he says, fear not or do not be afraid. And here Jesus is, he's about to leave and he goes back to that greeting as he's leaving. And he says, my peace or peace to you, my peace, I will leave with you. My peace, I give to you. The way Jesus answers the fear, this underlying fear that his disciples have, this anxiety they have, is he says, I'm going to give you my peace. And this is in the middle of the section where he's talking about sending his Holy Spirit. He's saying that I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he will make my peace real to you in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. It's interesting that actually peace is actually the aim of Jesus' work on earth. Think back to Christmas. Think back to Luke chapter 2 when the, the, the angels appear to the shepherds. Here's how they announce that the birth of Christ, the Messiah, has come and what that means. Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's the mission of Jesus on earth, to restore peace. You see, peace in the Bible doesn't mean a lack of hostility. That's kind of what we, what we kind of tend to think about peace. Peace would be a lack of hostility or a lack of just fear and anxiety. But the concept of peace in the Bible is what's called, uh, goes back to the Hebrew word shalom. And that word means wholeness. That word means everything being in right order. Get that. We're taking notes, write that down. Peace means wholeness, or peace means everything in right order, the way things should be. That's what peace is, wholeness. And what that means is that peace is directly tied to the rule of God. Under God's rule, as the creator of heaven and earth and the king of all creation, the king of the universe under his rule and care is shalom or wholeness or the way things should be. And outside of his rule, outside of his care, 
is chaos and sin and selfishness and pride. And as those things are sown, chaos and sin and selfishness and pride, it reaps more and more harvest of chaos and sin and selfishness and pride. It gets, the reaping comes back worse and worse until eventual judgment and destruction. That's outside of the rule of God. Peace or shalom, by definition, can only be found under the rule and reign of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no true life outside of his rule. Everything is only temporary by his mercy. But inside the rule and reign of God is life and life abundantly or life as it was meant to be, shalom, wholeness. So peace is wholeness under the rule of God. That's what peace is. Peace is wholeness under the rule of God. This is how Paul describes it and how Paul describes how Jesus' mission is related to that. He says that peace and reconciliation is the great mission of Jesus on earth. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile or to bring into proper order all things to, to himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And listen to this making peace by the blood of his cross. That's the purpose of the bloody cross of Jesus. The purpose of the bloody cross of Jesus is to make peace or to make shalom. So here's what that means. That means that the deepest longing of our souls and the virgin birth and the sinless life and the profound teachings of Jesus and his miracles and his healings and his sham trial and his torturous death and his powerful resurrection, all of that and our, the deepest longings of our soul all meet together. The deepest longings of our soul meet with the bloody cross, cross of Christ because that's where peace is made. That's where his righteous rule is restored at the cross of Christ. By him taking on what is, doing, what is due to us from being outside of the wholeness of God, outside of the peace of God, and restoring his reign on earth. Do you hear that? Here's what that means. It means Jesus' message has never been, try to come to me and try to have peace. That's never been Jesus' message. But we often hear it that way, don't we, as Christians or people who grow up around Christ or people who grew up in the South or around church? We often hear the message of Christ say, come, try to come to me, not even come to me, try to come to me. Do what you can to try to come to me and then try to have peace. And that's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is this, come to me and find rest. Come to me and find wholeness and peace, shalom. That's why he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. That's the offer of the world for peace. The offer of the world for peace is you can have peace by this. Do this. Buy this. Perform to this point, achieve this, then you will have peace. Buy this, do this, achieve this, and then you will have peace. 
and it never delivers. And Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do you see why peace can be found any other place and under the rule of God and under the protection of God? God's creation can only find shalom by being united to him and under his good and righteous rule. Peace can only be granted to us by God because it can only be found under his rule and under his, perfection, under his protection. It can't be manufactured by us or by any kind of circumstance. And that peace that he says he will grant us, he says is powerful enough that that peace will rule in our hearts. It will rule within us. Let not, he tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Your heart is troubled. You are fearful. You are anxious. But he says, don't let it be troubled. What he's saying is the the counter to our fear and anxiety springs from peace with our maker. So then it kind of leaves us kind of asking this question, right? So if that's true, then why am I so anxious? That should leave us asking that question. If that's true, if, if peace can only be found under the rule and reign of King Jesus, if, it, if chaos and sin and, and judgment is outside of that rule, all that is not peace can never be found outside his rule and reign. And if I'm a Christian, then why am I so anxious? And that should leave us another question is, how is fear, how can fear and anxiety be conquered in the heart and mind of a believer? Now, part of this answer is a spiritual answer. And there's no easy explanation. Jesus said, I will give you my peace. And he's saying the Holy Spirit will come to you and he will make my teachings real to you. He will make me real to you. And you will have by dwelling within me the the fruit of the peace of God in your life by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some of that, it's not easy to explain how that happens. It's It's an unseen spiritual answer. So, so what if I'm not experiencing that? What am, what does that mean? Well, first we have to start off with the idea and the concept that God doesn't lie. So if God said that my peace, Jesus said, my peace, I will give to you, then we have to know that he doesn't lie. So we're stuck someplace, right? Because all of us probably still experience fear and anxiety to some extent. Like I mentioned in the prayer, some of us It's something that we occasionally deal with. Some of this is something that we daily and moment by moment are racked with, fear and anxiety. We also have not just the words of Jesus, but we have the testimony of believers throughout generations who have experienced and seen their own fear and anxiety quieted or conquered. So that leaves us in a question. That same question, why am I so anxious then? We're left sitting at the feet of Jesus like those disciples saying, my peace I give to you. And they're saying, well, then why am I still so afraid? And as we think about this, there's one thing, another thing that we can't do is we we can't let our, quote, superior modern mindsets lower the promises of Jesus. Our salvation as believers is a superior salvation. And we can't let pop psychology 
overruled the promise of Jesus to have peace. I know Jesus said I have peace, but I've been diagnosed with anxiety. I'm not, yes. I, I know Jesus said we have peace, but I am constantly, moment by moment, racked by fear and anxiety about all kinds of things in life. But we don't want to miss out on the promises of Jesus. We want God's kingdom to be displayed in our hearts and souls. And here's the truth. As Christians, there will be times when we have to fight for peace. We don't earn it. We don't make it. We can't achieve it. It is something that we receive under the rule and reign of Christ. But that doesn't lower the promise that sometimes we still have to fight for. Let's remember what Jesus said about bearing fruit. He said this in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So why am I feeling so anxious and what can I do about the fear and anxiety? Jesus says that we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit when we abide in him and he in us. What that looks like is we have to submit ourselves to him daily and spend regular, continual time communing with him. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Listen to that promise. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because, that's a causal phrase there, because he trusts in you. Some of you guys need to write that verse down. You need to put it on your bathroom mirror. You need to put it in your car. You need to put it on your refrigerator. You put it everywhere you look multiple times a day. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Think back to what Jesus said. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. As we submit ourselves to him daily and spend time with him and stay our mind upon him, he will keep your mind in perfect peace whose, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now listen to that. Because he trusts in you. In you, Verse 4 that says, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord your God is an everlasting rock. That is the start, begins to be the pathway to peace for those of us who are racked with anxiety and fear. And all of us who deal with fear and anxiety is to grow in our knowledge and our understanding and our experiencing and our experience that God alone is the everlasting rock that can hold us and can keep us and can protect us and it's only there. But he is trustworthy. The counter to our fear and anxiety is for us to begin to realize and experience that God is trustworthy to be the rock that holds us and protects us. And we have to fight for that. The Psalms are full of particularly of songs and poems of David who's reminding himself, he says, I am distressed and I am pressed down and I am, 
I am even weary, my soul is weary and I, and I long for even death, but I know that God is my rock. He is my salvation, he is my strong tower, he is my fortress, he is my shelter, he is my refuge. He uses those phrases over and over and over again to remind himself in the dark times, in the hard places, whenever he's racked with fear and anxiety, that God is the rock, he is the shelter. He reminds himself, remember how God has proven that for other people. Remember how he's proven it throughout the generations. That's where the word of God comes for us, that we read the very real struggles of people who have come before us who dealt with fear and anxiety, who were places where they were truly between a rock and a hard place. And we see how God delivered them out of that place, how God kept them and preserved them. We remember the stories of believers who've come before us generation after generation after generation. We sing their songs and we remember they were in the same place and they saw Jesus come through. They saw and experienced that he is more than enough. And I think for many of us, we don't experience the quieting of our fear and anxiety because we don't press through that long enough. We don't wait there long enough. We run to other sources of safety and other sources of security, other weaker towers, other weaker refuges, other weaker fortresses that only break down. Constantly restless, looking for any other peace except for the one, the rock of ages, who is cleft for me. That song has taken on in the past couple of months, taken on a, a fresh new meaning for me. Because I was dealing with my, and have been still dealing with my own sense of weakness and failure. God, everything I touch seems to fail. I never live up to my potential. I'm not doing a good job with the things that you put in front of me. I'm failed at all these areas. And my underlying fear is that I'm left alone and that my life doesn't matter. But the truth of that, that's in that song came fresh to me. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. I'm weak. Are you conscious of your weakness this morning? Are you conscious of your own sense of being unprotected and your own fear of utterly being alone? Are you cognizant of your own inability to, to, to be all that you feel that you need to be? The way to safety, the way to peace is to accept, yes, I am just as weak as I fear I am and even weaker, but I, there, thank God, through Christ, there is a cleft in the rock of ages that is made just for me. And there I can hide. There I can hide where I am fully known. Not hide myself, but I can hide like as a, in terms of shame and fear, but I can hide myself in the rock and ex admit just how weak and helpless I am. You know, there's some of you that right now might be angry or even anxious to, or ashamed right now because of your own personal bout with anxiety. But think back to all these psalms I just mentioned. Think back to these scriptures that we just looked at. Why are we constantly given encouragement as to how we can have peace? We're constantly given encouragement. The command constantly comes, do not be afraid, because we don't always have it. 
Because we often fear, feel fearful and anxious when we aren't actively abiding in the vine of Jesus, when our mind isn't stayed upon him and God in his condescension and in his kindness, in his grace, in his mercy. He doesn't push us to the side. He opens his arm for us to come in and find safety. Jesus didn't push his disciples to the side because they felt anxious and fearful. They weren't getting what he was saying about his death and his resurrection. He told them, why? You're anxious? Don't let your heart be troubled. I've given you a peace, my own peace to you. We feel fearful and anxious when God's glory isn't eclipsing all else. That's when we're anxious because our own personal kingdom is so very shaky. It's tiresome to run your own kingdom. It's tiresome to try to keep everything around you right and in your own sense of shalom. It is exhausting. And some of us are better at it than others. Some of us are pretty good at controlling our circumstances and ourselves and the people around us to try to create some semblance of our own inferior shalom, but it is exhausting and it always falls apart. But when we are less concerned about our own glory and more concerned about the glory of God, all of a sudden that begins to eclipse our fear and anxiety and we start to see some daylight Think about how good and gracious Jesus is to you. Let his goodness and glory fill, fill your thoughts. Then let that begin to, to create worship in you and let that worship begin to invade your, fill, your fears. Fill your mind with his word. Fill your mind with the stories of how he has kept saints before us. Wrestle. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Wrestle with your own fear and anxiety in prayer. Wrestle with it there. Bring it to the Lord. Just as you see David do in the Psalms, bring it to the Lord and say, this is where I am. I am fearful. I am anxious. But I'm, God, I believe that you alone are the source of safety and security and peace. And I'm going to stay here. I'm going to wrestle with this here with you until you pour out your peace upon me. For some of us, that means that we have to turn away from our sin. Some of us have a lack of peace in our hearts and lives because we are not living actively under the rule and reign of Christ in certain areas in our life. And we feel anxious and we feel fearful because we know we're not living under his rule and reign in certain areas. Outside of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is chaos and sin and fear and judgment. And Jesus calls us to turn away from our vain idols. Where are you not obeying? Where are you not submitting? What are you holding back? And why would you continue to do so? This morning, there may be an area of your life that you need to submit to the Lord, that you need to repent to the Lord and receive his peace into that area. Here's the promise that comes to us 
I know I'm giving you some verses this morning, but I want to give you some, some tools in your hand to leave with today, to, to battle for peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, this is the promise, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard, hear that wording, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The command for us not to fear isn't so much a command as it is an invitation. This is what Jesus is basically saying to us. Hey, don't fear because I'm here. There would be a lot to fear if I wasn't here. There'd be a lot to fear if I wasn't inviting you in. There's a lot to fear outside of my reign and my protection, but I'm bringing you in. You don't have to be afraid any longer. You are under my rule and you're under my care. Your anxiety and fear is very real, but it isn't more powerful than the peace of God which surpasses understanding. This year, I pray that we'll see breakthroughs for many of us regarding anxiety. And that doesn't mean that the Lord won't use means. Counseling is a God-given mean that he has given us. So is the word of God, so is prayer, so is confession and worship. But Let's remember this, that effort alone won't get us there. It is only by abiding under the safe rule of Jesus Christ. So when we finish the sermon today and we have communion time, I hope if, you, if this is something that God's stirring in your soul, I hope that you will come and ask. I'd love to pray with you or grab a friend or another elder and ask them to pray with you. I'd like for this to be, for some of us, a stake in the ground moment where you ask the God of all peace to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, really quick, because we need to wrap up. I just want to move on before just, just touching on one more thing. And that is that not only is this saying, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that we will in our, just in ourselves experience peace, that is a great promise, but he's saying that that, he's also saying that peace will flow out of us to the people around us. In other words, God has made us as Christians to be little embassies that show and share the peace of God to the people and the the situations around us. This this section in John and Jesus' final discourse is where he lays out how he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And just after this, he tells them that God the Father is glorified as we bear fruit. So what that means is God is glorified in our lives as Christians. It's not only as we experience the peace of God in our souls and we see that conquer our fear and anxiety, but that is then shown or displayed to other people around us. What I'm saying is our peace, our inner peace should make us peacemakers around us. Our inner peace that we experience with God should cause us to be peacemakers in the relationships and the friendships and the places that we work in around us. Blessed are the peacemakers, so they shall be called the sons of God. God has called us to be a people of peace who make peace in the relationships around us. That can only happen as we dwell in the vine and we experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and let that begin to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God 
is the reconciling grace and love of God that rules our hearts and flows out of our attitudes and actions to other people around us. The peace of God is the reconciling grace and love of God that rules our hearts and flows out of our attitudes and actions with others. And for some of, for them, some of them, it will actually be them seeing us battle and wrestle with Christ for peace in the midst of anxiety and fear. And when they see that change in us as we wrestle with that, and we, they see him change us in a way that can't be explained, then they will want some of that as well. So as we close this morning, for those of us, for anyone in here today who is not at peace with God, you are outside the rule and reign of God. You've never submitted to him today. Today may be the day. It's not something that you and I get to choose. Like I get to, I get to submit to God like I get to pull for one team or the other. There is only one God of all creation. And to be at outside of his rule and reign is to be in the middle of chaos and sin and destruction. Make today the day that you turn. Find me or someone in the communion time or afterwards to pray with you. And for my brothers and sisters in Christ today, come this morning and eat and drink of the body and blood that was broken and shed to make peace with you. Come and partake of the, of the peace with God with a prayer in your heart that his peace would reign in your heart and mind and then make you a spreader of that peace. And let's wrestle with that together to be people who experience the peace of God and are peacemakers for him, for his glory. I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna come up. I'm gonna have four stations for communion. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, no matter where you call church home, we invite you to come forward. If you're not a believer in Christ, man, find somebody and ask them to pray with you to make today the day that you become a Christian, that you submit to his rule and reign in your life. Father, uh, I thank you that though uh, we are constantly restless looking for peace, that peace is ultimately found in you. That's to be under your rule and reign, and we can be, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he is making all things new, that he's spreading his shalom, his rule and reign across the earth. And God, we pray that you would do that in our hearts. May it spread and grow in us. May we experience more and more what it means uh, to not only have peace with you and to experience your peace that surpasses understanding and guards our heart and mind, but also to be peacemakers on your behalf in the relationships around us for your glory and for our joy.